Hello and welcome to Stock Stories, episode 103. Welcome. This is the Stock Stories Podcast. My name is Alex and I am your host and stock storyteller for today. Hello and I hope you are doing amazing. I hope you're having a wonderful day. Welcome to Stock Stories. This is the podcast dedicated to helping you, the individual investor, make better investing decisions. And we do that primarily by looking at case studies of real companies as well as looking at mental models. So that's what we do here on this show. And I'm excited because we're going to go through another company today. Yeah, so we're going to go through another company in the S&P 500. Uh, Part of the goal of this show is actually to go through every single company within the S&P 500. And we've gone through over 50 of them so far. So over 10% of the way through. And now we're going to go through another one. This one is in the medical space, the one that we're going to talk about today. So let's get right into it. Let's talk about Boston Scientific. All right. So Boston Scientific ticker symbol BSX. So Boston Scientific is a medical company. They're basically a medical device company that makes devices for all different types of medical procedures in order to make people's lives a little bit less painful and also make healthcare a little bit less costly too. So they they basically design medical products. And they've been around for a few decades. They were actually founded in 1979. And they were founded by two gentlemen named John Abel and Pete Nicholas in Massachusetts. And the reason that they founded it was their motivation was to use it as a holding company to purchase another company called Meditech. That was another medical company in the area. And so it's kind of interesting because companies get started for different reasons, right? Sometimes companies get started because an entrepreneur sees a clear problem in the marketplace and they want to go solve it. And that's, that's kind of it. Or sometimes there's other intentions. And in this case, they wanted to find ways to help people, but they were inspired by the work that this other company, Meditech was already doing, but they decided, okay, we're going to form another company to purchase them. And so they did that. And then that kind of started this long string of acquisitions for the company. The company has basically been acquiring companies since it since it got started. And that's part of the reason it's been able to grow so big. Uh, but we'll get into that. So they acquired a company called Kimray Medical Associates. They acquired a company called Vantech, a company called Endotech. And they did this in order to expand and make use of all these different companies' technologies. 
Now, what are some examples of the technologies these companies are actually creating? What are they actually doing? So they're working on products that involve cardiology, so the heart, gastrointestinal system, so that's the digestive system of the body, and urology products, so things that relate to the urinary tract or the male reproductive system. So different aspects of the human body need different tools. You can't just apply one type of medical product necessarily to a different part of the body. It's all very specific because the human body is just so complex. So that's what Boston Scientific started to do. They started to develop products for help with these various areas and to deal with ailments uh, in different parts of the body. So in the 1980s, they started expanding internationally pretty quickly. So they formed subsidiaries in countries like Germany, France, and Japan in order to expand. Now, as far as some of their early innovations, they developed an aortic, stick with me here, aortic valvuloplasty balloon. (laughs) Say that five times fast, right? Now, this was their first major cardiology product, and this was in the early 90s. Now, let me explain exactly what this is. So imagine that a person's heart has like some blockage in some of the valves. And obviously, this is not good. That means you have decreased blood flow and decreased blood flow from or to the heart can cause a variety of medical issues. Maybe it'll cause a stroke or something like that. So one of the solutions is to open up these veins and basically keep them structurally sound so that blood can flow through them. One of the ways that this can be done is through this thing called the aortic valvuloplasty balloon. So you basically put a really small balloon into the heart's aorta and then you inflate it. And so it expands the valve and it increases blood flow. It's basically looking at the heart and its valve as, as kind of like a, a physical machine, right? You've got this object that's pumping in and out, in and out. It's, it's literally a muscle, but some parts of it have shrunk in size because of blockage for whatever reason. So this is a physical way to increase blood flow uh, to and from the heart. It's just pretty amazing. And so this is a technology that was developed back in the early 90s. Now, right after that, in 1992, Boston Scientific went public. So they started trading uh, on the exchange and they kept acquiring other companies. So nine more companies were acquired throughout the 90s, which is, I mean, that's a lot, right? That's basically a new company every year. And by 1997, They had over $1.7 billion in revenue and over 9,000 employees. So they were definitely building up some steam as a company. They had built scale really quickly. So in 2004, the company developed a breakthrough product called the Taxus Stent. So T-A-X-U-S Stent. And the way Stent is spelled is S-T-E-N-T. So Taxus Stent. So essentially, when someone has heart disease, their arteries get blocked and clogged up like we were just discussing. And stents are used to open up these tubes and increase blood flow. So traditionally, 
what doctors would do would they put would put these bare metal stents inside a person in order to open up these these uh these tubes and that that tended to be okay but sometimes it would cause negative outcomes though sometimes there would be trauma sometimes there would be uh death or negative you know other negative outcomes so what boston scientific did was they developed this tax stent and the difference is that it has a thin polymer coating which has been shown to reduce the risk of death so just by having a little coating on it you, you don't have that bare metal directly contacting with the inside of your body and then also the cool thing about this product is that it delivers a dose of a drug once it's inserted into the vein so not only does it get inserted into the vein to expand the vein but it can release a drug at the same time depending on what's needed so it's kind of cool it's like a dual purpose medical device so that was one of their breakthrough products. According to the company, it has been one of their most successful product launches and it was really well received within industry. So that was a, a big turning point for them. Now they kept making acquisitions, like they acquired a company called Guidance in 2006. And at this point, Boston Scientific was one of the largest medical device companies out there. And they continued to develop new products uh, for just different conditions, things like asthma treatment. They developed an implantable defibrillator, devices for managing chronic pain. I mean, the device, the the, the list goes on and on. Um, they really have entered into a lot of different areas of medicine and just try to make devices that help people, basically, and are allow doctors to do their work. They create the tools that doctors use to do their work. All right, let's talk a little bit about the business now. So where are they at today? So they focus on developing medical solutions. And the whole purpose is to decrease the cost of these solutions and decrease the trauma of these solutions for patients. They want to improve patient outcomes. And so here's an example. I'll give a couple examples of some of their current products just so you can get an idea of the types of things that they really do. Now, for me, as someone who's not really that familiar with the medical field, at least at this level, uh, it, it was useful for me to just go through some examples in my research in order to understand, okay, what, what do these guys actually do? I know they make medical products and they save lives, and that's wonderful. But just peeling back the layers a little bit to see what specifically do they do. So here are some examples. One of their products is called the Illuvia Drug Eluding Vascular Stent System. Now say that one five times fast too. <laughs> so this stent system helps people who have chronic blood flow restriction in their legs and it can help prevent amputation. So there are about 900,000 people in the world to have something called critical limb ischemia. And it's, it's basically a problem of this blood flow to the legs. And within one year of diagnosis, about 30% of those people, which is about 300,000 people, end up getting their leg amputated. 
and obviously this is, you know, terrible and, and it's just really unfortunate. Um, but basically this stent system can help avoid this outcome. So it can help open up these veins within the legs so that people do get blood flow within their legs. So they don't have to go through this pain. So they don't have to get amputated. So that's an example of one of the things that they do. They also have part of their business that's called neuromodulation, which is a fancy way of saying personalized electrical brain stimulation. So right now, there are over 10 million people who have a disease called Parkinson's disease. Now, if you're not familiar with what Parkinson's disease is, it's a degeneration of the central nervous system, basically. So it can severely affect someone's motor skills. So a person can maybe start shaking or have slow movement. And the cause isn't entirely known, um, but it's believed there are both genetic and environmental factors. So there are over 10 million people affected by this disease. And neuromodulation is one of the ways that the scientific community has found to cope with this. So by by electrically stimulating the brain in certain ways, they can help decrease the symptoms or um, control the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. So it can help people that way. Another thing that the company does is they have heart failure diagnostic tools. So they can hook someone up to their equipment, take a bunch of physiological measurements, and the company claims that they can predict heart failure up to four weeks in advance, which is amazing. Like, think about that. So you could gather enough data, physical data from a person. So maybe you're measuring like things like blood pressure and heart rate, or I don't know, maybe you're measuring different parts of the body. I'm not sure the the fine details of how they do it, but you're, you're taking in a bunch of data from a person and based on past data showing of when heart failure actually occurs, you can basically predict the future um, with a, a certain certain probability of success and use that knowledge to come up with preventative actions ahead of time so that the person doesn't have heart failure. So Boston Scientific, they create all sorts of things. They are have their hands in, in all different si- sides of the medical device industry. And let's talk about how, how big is this? What's the scale of this business? So they actually sell their products all over the world. They're in 130 countries. They're in 35,000 hospitals, clinics, and outpatient facilities. So they are a big company. And some, some of their biggest competitors are pretty big too. So they compete with companies like Abbott Labs, Medtronic, and Cook Medical are some of their main competitors. As far as what their divisions are, they have three main divisions. There's medical surgery, so things like endoscopy and urology, um, which endoscopy just means like going inside the body. So you can imagine like those stents going inside and urology having to do with the urinary tract. So rhythm and neuro is the second business unit. So kind of some of those things we just discussed with neuromodulation and Parkinson's disease. That's an example of the rhythm and neuro side of the business. 
And then there's cardiovascular side of the business. So cardiovascular system having to do with the heart. So the sales between these three divisions are somewhat evenly spread. So it's well diversified as far as the different lines of business that they're in. As far as the breakdown of sales, so over half of the sales come from the United States geographically. Um, about a quarter of them come from Europe and the Middle East and Africa, 18% Asia Pacific, and just about 3% of the sales come from Latin America. But the fastest growing segment of their business is in Latin America. So sales in that region of the world grew by 15%. Uh, this past year. And actually, I'll include uh, Canada in that. Latin America and Canada is the way that the company breaks it down. So that is a basic overview of the business itself. All right. So now let's get to financials. It's all great to know what the company does and what the history is. And I really love providing that context. But at the end of the day, you and I as investors, we need to know how the company's doing. Is it making money? <laughs> a lot of times we can learn about a company and it sounds so great, but then it's not making any money. Or maybe it's making money, but it's just not that impressive relative to the price that the market is giving us uh, for those cash flows at any certain point in time. So let's look at the financials. So for the sake of comparison, all the numbers that I'm going to say are between the years of 2011 and 2018. So it's going to be a seven-year snapshot, basically, of the company's financials. So starting in 2011, what were the sales of this business? So this, so this business is pretty big. They had over $7.5 billion in sales back in 2011, and that's grown it's almost $10 billion in sales now. So that's pretty good, but I mean, the sales growth is a little bit slow, to be honest. It's been growing at about 4% annually. So uh, kind of a slow grower. But here's where things get interesting. The gross profit was a little bit higher. It went from $5 million to $7 billion for a 5% annual growth rate. But here's where things really get crazy. The net income of the business went from $400 million to over $1.6 billion in 2018. That's a 22% annual growth rate in earnings. All right, that's that's pretty fast. Um, and frankly, I, I wasn't expecting that when I was crunching the numbers. Now, if I look at earnings per share, uh, sometimes earnings per share leads or lags net income depending on how many shares uh, were bought back or issued. But nope, earnings per share has followed net income right up there. So they recently made a dollar and nineteen cents last year. So that's twenty-two percent annual growth rate in EPS as well. So that is really impressive. That means that owners of this business have seen significant growth in their earnings over time. I also looked at the cash levels of the business. There's nothing impressive here. Uh, they only hold $140 million in cash, which is, eh, frankly, I think that's a little low for a business of this size. And then as far as debt, they have a reasonable debt load. It doesn't seem too big or too low or like or un unusually low. They've got about $5 billion in long-term debt. So yeah, relative to cash flows, relative to th their income, eh, you know, 
nothing too crazy there, but still a decent amount of debt. Their operating cash, it's up and down a lot, and it seems to depend year over year on things like litigation expenses and just all sorts of different little idiosyncrasies that seem to be related to the industry. One thing I did enjoy seeing is that over a long period of time, looking at the financial statements, the company has been continually investing more and more in their R&D. So the research and development development budget has been growing consistently over time. And with a company like Boston Scientific, I mean, the word science is in the name, right? Like you, you can't run a business successfully like that without continually doing science. And I really like that because you really need to stay at the top of your game if you're going to compete in the healthcare space and and developing products that are physically going into people's bodies. I mean, that's pretty serious. Um, I actually prototyped a medical device myself once and it is not an easy process, right? There's a lot of considerations. There's a lot of research that needs to be done. And so Boston Scientific is doing that. And I'm impressed that they've been able to maintain growth in that portion of their budget over time. So that's a great thing. The company does not pay dividends, so nothing to look at there. And their shares outstanding has decreased over time, but it's been very, very modest uh, share buybacks. So only about 1% of the shares get bought back on an annual basis. Now, if the company does like to buy other companies. So they, they continue to spend billions of dollars on acquisitions. So in 2018, they spent over $1.5 billion on acquisitions. So that's something that they like to do. That's their main method of growth, really, is by acquiring other companies. So one thing I was wondering is like, all right, you got a company here that's growing sales at 4%. How on earth are they growing their income by 22% annually? I'm just... I was puzzling at that over a while. Like, how do they grow so fast? But then when I started to think about it in context and look at how all the numbers can get broken down, I realized there are multiple reasons. So one of the reasons is in 2009 and 2010, a company operated at a loss, actually. So in 2011, which happened to be the year that I started looking at data, they had a really small base of positive earnings per share to grow from. So because they started from such a small base, it looks like they grew really fast over the, over the coming seven years. And so in addition to that, they have lots and lots of acquisitions. So this isn't all organic growth. This is a lot of it growth due to purchasing other companies. Although there are some good things that I do like that also add to this picture. They have consistently grown their margins. You know, they've kept their costs in check, which is great. And their organic sales over the past few years have been growing at about 7 to 8%. So it is a little bit misleading just to look at this long-term snapshot and say, okay, well, they only grow sales at 4% a year. Well, over the past couple of years, it's been more like 7 to 8%. So they have a pretty decent track record of growing sales. So, okay, that makes a little more sense. Now, if we also look at earnings per share growth over just the past five years instead of the past seven years, 
it's grown by adjusted EPS has grown by about 15%. So now we're looking at more realistic profit growth relative to that seven to 8% sales growth over the most recent years. But still, this isn't 22%, but 15% is still pretty solid profit growth. And I think they could probably sustain 10 to 15% growth over the medium term. So let's put these things together. So they don't pay a dividend, so we can't count that as any part of our return. They probably will buy back, you know, a modest amount of shares, 1% of their shares over time. And their earnings growth from organic growth as well as acquisitions could very well be in the 10 to 15% range. So this gives us 11 to 16% growth of the business, which is very solid double-digit growth. Now remember, as investors, we can't pay an infinite price for any business, no matter how good it is, because our returns are dictated by the prices that we pay. So right now, shares of Boston Scientific are trading at around $44 a share. Now, the most recent earnings, that would indicate a price-to-earnings ratio of about 37, (laughs) which is a little bit high, and that equates to a 2.7% earnings yield. So remember, an earnings yield is the inverse of a price-to-earnings ratio. So the way you can think about it is price divided by earnings, that's the P-E ratio, so that's 37. Earnings yield is earnings divided by price. So that that gives you, um, I guess, a quote-unquote interest rate, so to speak. So you can compare that to, say, a 30-year U.S. Treasury bond and say, okay, is this stock yielding more than a bond? And that can be a useful tool for valuation. So a 2% earnings yield, a 2.7% earnings yield is really not that good. (laughs) Uh, Especially, uh, well, it's a low interest rate environment, so a lot of companies have low earnings yields. But still, now, I think this is probably okay, if you've held the company for a really long time, I mean, I don't know. It's still kind of expensive. I take that back. It's a little expensive. So there's not really a margin of safety with this investment, Uh, but Boston Scientific does look like a solid company. If it was trading at 20 times earnings, it might be a pretty reasonable investment. Um, And also one thing I want to note is that litigation expenses can be a big expense for a business like this. I mean, think about I mean, there are all sorts of medical devices out there that have caused a lot of harm to people out there uh, because they weren't tested properly, they weren't vetted properly, and they were just approved by the FDA. And I won't get into like the rules. Um, well, actually, I will. Let me talk about this for one second. So when a company puts a medical device out into the world, it has to get approval by the, um, by the FDA, right? Um, and so part of part of this approval process is called, I think it's called a 503K provision. There's basically a, a loophole in the system so where a company can put a new medical device or medical product out into the world and sell it if they, without, um, without a super extensive vetting process, if they can point to another product that's currently on the market that they say their product is analogous to that product. So if you develop a medical device and, and 
you know, say I'm your competitor and I've already developed another device that's similar, you can just point to my device and say, oh, hey, my device is really similar to Alex's device. Let me put my device on the market quickly without going through a long vetting process. And so then they would say, okay, sure, you can do that. Now, the problem with this is you can have a lot of a lot of problems with devices that are not properly tested, that are not properly vetted um, through rigorous scientific experiments, um, and and people people have issues. People get talked into using new products by their doctors or by by other medical professionals that are new on the market that are not that are not vetted. And they can have lifelong issues with different aspects of their health. And it can even cause, it could even cause death. So this is pretty serious. And companies, my point is that companies that develop medical products, they really have to watch out for this. They really have to be mindful of how they develop their technologies because people's lives are truly at stake. So when I look at Boston Scientific, I see that part of their expenses are litigation expenses, right? <laughs> that means that, yeah, they've had to pay out money due to being sued, due to having potential harm be done to people. Um, and I think for a company of this size with so many different products like this, like we mentioned, it's almost unavoidable to a certain extent, but at the same time, um, they, it's their responsibility to avoid this as much as possible. And when I look at the litigation expenses, they've been held relatively in check over a several year period, which is an indicator to me that uh, they are trying to do their due diligence with their products. So that's just one of the risks that I would keep in mind with a company like Boston Scientific is when you're making medical devices, uh, there is a significant risk to the life of and quality of life of to other human beings. So um, just keep that in mind. So yeah, so Boston Scientific seems like a pretty great company. They have a lot of scale. They have a lot of products that are really helpful to people. Uh, valuation is just too high. Um, but yeah, a decent, decent amount of growth there. And healthcare industry in general has, has been pretty successful. Uh, over the past several years. So, um, will that continue? I, I don't, I don't know. Again, like everything with regulation in the U S and the way that healthcare is paid for is, is a whole nother thing. We talked about that a little bit with our episode on Centene. So it, that, that is a whole can of worms that's hard to dissect, but Boston scientific seems like a solid company but it is definitely more expensive than I would like to see. So with that, I will end this episode today. Thank you so much for listening to Stock Stories. I really appreciate it. It, it feels good to, uh, to be on the mic and, and talk to you. So thank you for listening. My name is Alex. I am your stock storyteller and your host. If you want to reach out to me, reach out on Instagram. Send me a direct message. It's at Stock Storyteller. Or you can send me an email at alex at stockstoriespodcast.com, whichever you prefer. But definitely reach out to me. I want to hear from you. This episode was actually 
um, suggested by someone on Instagram, just sending me a direct message and saying, hey, Alex, can you talk about Boston Scientific? And I said, sure, why not? (laughs) And so that's how this episode was created. So definitely send me a direct message. I want to learn more about you, where you're at in your investing journey, and just have a conversation. So with that, I'll see you next week. Take care. information presented here on Stock Stories is for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only. You and you alone are responsible for your investment and financial decisions. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, or financial advisor that can analyze your specific situation in the context of your goals and circumstances.